0: Well, I greeted you that because I was sent as your missionary to Hawaii, but now I say Mabuhai because that's our welcoming greeting in the Philippines, and that has always been my dream because I'm a Filipino-American, the son of a World War II U.S. Army veteran deployed in Okinawa, Japan. And so uh, my dream was to go to the Philippines, but for some reason, I kept being rejected and rejected and rejected until finally, I'll tell you the story later on. And so this is our picture. By the way, I'm a citizen of heaven as well, I'm not just uh, US, I have dual citizenship, a Filipino and US, and uh, three. I'm a, I'm a citizen of heaven. But anyway, you see in the picture, that's how people remember us in the Philippines when we first started. It, it, we were a spectacle, as you can see, but it saved us from a lot of trouble because you know how the devil uh, precedes you in the work, and so we landed in the Philippines. As soon as we tried to settle in Ilo, Ilo City, there was a bad rumor, a very bad rumor, that uh, human traffickers have settled in town. And lo and behold, I came to find out, I was being careful, you know. Human traffickers, I was watchful for who they were. Come to find out, they were referring to Lisa and I as human traffickers. And and so the imagery that you see here doesn't make sense for a profiling for human traffickers. Anyway, uh, Lisa is my... uh, Our story began, uh, for Lisa and I, uh, July 23rd, 1988, when we got married in Eugene, Oregon. As you can see during our reception, we have that picture there of the world, and uh, Lisa being from Oregon, we have a connection, a ribbon, connecting that ribbon to the Philippines because we were saying we're going to be living in the Philippines, we're going to be missionaries to the Philippines, but... You know, I kept being rejected, but it seems like every time there's a new executive director at the mission office, I I keep showing up and say, hey, uh, I'm still available. Please send me to the Philippines. But it says, no, no, no. But, you know, God's hand is with it because I wasn't quite ready, and that's the only way I can explain it. But anyway, that ribbon, though, draped over the Pacific Ocean, on the island of Hawaii. So in 2005, I went before the, um, the interviewing panel for the BMA, and I said, uh, well, you know, uh, I would like to renew my application, but not for the Philippines because she said, that's not a good mission field for for me or for anyone at that point. Um, and I'll explain that later too. I, I would like to apply as missionary to Hawaii. The interviewer saying, Do you know, Brother Phil, that we have sent people, their missionaries in Hawaii, not just one, more than once. As a matter of fact, one is uh, returning back, and we have not planted a single church in Hawaii. After all these years, what makes you think that we will send you there? I was now getting ready for another rejection, and I actually argued with them, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm really ashamed, actually, to tell you that. But uh, at the end of that so-called heated discussion, they said, Brother Phil, I think we're going to recommend you. <laughs> and so in 2005, we went to Hawaii, and we were so happy because uh, our team uh, helped us, even our married daughter and my son-in-law uh, joined us there, and they became our basically our pro bono uh, mission team. And we were so thrilled that they, uh, and this is an updated picture of our, our team, and we all now live in Conway, Arkansas, and this was taken this year, and so we're our growing brood. We're going to catch up with the Rollins. The Lord has truly blessed us because uh, I, I have to be honest that uh, Hawaii was not an easy mission field. But it's so uh, just um, thanking, thanking for this church for helping us with prayers. And also, when Belinda and Steve visited us in Hawaii, and they were very encouraging us. And so, uh, a lot of people are suspicious are they really working in Hawaii? Or are they just being on a paid vacation? So, we're glad that there are visitors there to check up on us, and glad to say that we planted Ali'i Baptist Church. We also planted in the next town of Waipahu, Nakoa Baptist Church. Usually every year we go there to participate in their yearly uh, what church anniversary. But because of COVID, uh, we weren't able to join them. But of course, if we can afford to travel. 2016. I noticed that they were sending missionaries to the Philippines. They said, I thought you're not sending missionaries to the Philippines. And they have to go to language school and immerse themselves in the culture. And I said, all these years, I've been wanting to go there and applying as missionary. Uh, Are you forgetting about me? They couldn't turn me down. And so in 2016, we moved from Hawaii, and my dream came true. We became missionaries to the Philippines. However... Uh, A rumor preceded us, but nevertheless, we helped with other Filipino pastors to plant uh, churches in the Philippines. As they said, no, Philippines is oversaturated with missionaries. It's already a lot of, all the denominations are there, but for 40 years that we've been in the Philippines as a BMA, we have not touched the northern tip of the Philippines, until you sent me to the Philippines. And so now we have church planting ministry in the north of, uh, the provinces of uh, Ilocos Norte, Ilocos Sur, and also in Pangasinan. We also have in the central Philippines, I, I help uh, plant churches there on the island of Panay. And look at their children ministry, full of children and young people. Now... In the Philippines, though, there was a a pastor that came to me. You know, Brother Kakilala, you missionaries come here from wherever country you came from, and then you actually don't do the work. You just let us national workers do the work for you. Can you please show us how you do it? Well, that kind of sting a little bit, uh, although he made some sense because he explained it. So I said, okay, I'm going to show you. I did it in Hawaii. I'm going to do it here. So I personally started to plant in Ilo, Ilo City, the city of love. But it is also the seed of paganism. As you can see, if you are a so-called Christian, you go to the so-called Christian church, where you are from every post and every pillar, you have a Christian saint to worship of St. John, St. Paul, St. Bernadette, or whoever you, uh, there's St. Philomena, which is closer to my name. Used to be my, one of my favorite saints, by the way, before I got saved. But if you're kind of on the pagan side, you can also worship the gods of Greece and Rome in the Thumb Square. Uh, as you can see there that, in that rotunda. And so I'm doing that. Um, but then because of the problem uh, uh, that we were human traffickers, that's a reputation that's hard to shake and so people were literally running away from me. Neighbors don't want to talk to us. They look at us with a lot of suspicion. And um, we, we don't have a lot of resources. And so we walked everywhere until we, I bought Lisa that motorized tricycle at the top speed of 15 miles per hour. Uh, they they kind of say, uh, Americans, they're supposed to have money, right? But you're walking everywhere. And I have my umbrella lo- over Lisa and my, another hand around her waist, you know. And so we, uh, we would go around and uh, try to invite people, but they mm, mm, mm. And so I started with the water man. There you cannot drink from the tap. You have to buy water. And so Bobby was my water man. But he was also the town drunk, and so when I invite people to our Bible study, they, they said, "Who's attending your Bible study?" I said, "Boby, remember Bobby, our water man." They said, oh, "The town drunk." But as you can see, the close up of uh, Bobby, he would be black and blue. This would happen periodically as he would drink, drink to you know collapse and uh, and does not remember what happened until there's a reminder that his bruise stopped. Well, Bobby became my first convert and so lisa said we would like to help you Bobby, with your children because english is the language of business in the philippines and in order to advance you have to learn good english and so lisa said we're going to teach them english using the bible as a curriculum but they have to bring their friends and their neighbors and so lisa and my daughter justine became their teacher And so they became our our seed group, but I said, what about the other children? Not just Bobby's kids and their friends, what about other people in the neighborhood? Oh, no, thank you. Bobby's there, the town drunk, we're all flawed, and because there was a town drunk there, they would not even uh, come near our door. But there is this boy who is very influential. His name is King. Whatever King would do, people would do. Whatever King would not do, they would not do as well. But King said, "Oh, I'm hungry." He's come from a poor, poor family that would only eat once a day. I said, "King, I have a you know that cookie and a, a bag of uh, crackers," and and he would run away from me. Well. And then he, because he would walk by my house every day, and then he says, well, he doesn't meet the profile of a, of a human trafficker because, according to the rumor, he would be grabbing kids and stuff it in his vehicle. Where would he stuff the kids? In the front basket where there's full of groceries. So he decided, oh, okay, I want some crackers. I want some food. So I gave him food for his stomach, and then I shared the gospel to him. Well, actually, uh, he, that was his first time in a sit-down restaurant, never, and didn't know what to do with the plate, and so, but anyway, he got saved, and then he decided to bring his big brother. His big brother came with, uh, you know, uh, an attitude like he's going to fight the human trafficker, you know, hair standing up because he's standing behind, uh, you know, there's a hard wall, and I'm in front of him, and he's ready to fight, and... Uh, and then I said, well, you're hungry too, like your brother, right? I'll give you some food. But I also gave him some spiritual food, the gospel, and he got saved. His hair came down. And a smile came on his face. He realized, oh, what a great feeling that is. And so he decided with, uh, with him sitting here, right here, I'm going to bring my basketball buddies too because I have a new friend. Jesus, and also this missionary family. And so he brought his uh, basketball buddy, buddies, and they got saved and got baptized together. And now uh, the father, June and he's the one that spread the rumor. He knew it was false. He spread the rumor. He knew it was false, but, you know, uh, he, he said, oh, something has happened to my sons. They have changed. I want to see what they're doing over there. So he brought his family and his wife and his daughter, and then he accepted Jesus. And then he said, I would like to apologize to my family and to the church because I have been living a lie. You see, he was maintaining a mistress. That's why they can only eat one day a meal because he's supporting his family. And another family, he became a changed man now he i see the reports uh, you know from the work there and i would see june and i said i'm glad he's still serving the lord another great story is that justine who has been immersing herself in the gospel teaching children about jesus realized that she too needed to get saved she made a profession of faith as a little child in hawaii and i baptized her in the pacific ocean but she realized i'm not going to heaven She made that right, and she got saved in the Philippines, and I baptized her again in the ocean. What a wonderful story. But uh, sad to say, she had to go to college, and it was like a funeral. They gave her a flower offering, and she had to leave to college, but she became my secret weapon with the youth ministry because she was like a magnet. And praise God, God used her for that way. Now, another story is, Jonard, when you ask, uh, Lord, please help me, how can I help in this impoverished land? And God showed me a, a young teenager who was sleeping on the sidewalk, and although this is not Jonard, I, sh- I told him, this reminds me of you. And he said, yeah, because long hair, dirty, you know, no shoes, but Jonard is a changed man, because uh, when he was sleeping, I said, okay, I can't wake him up, you know, but next time I saw him, he was awake and he was hungry, but the mall would not ask us to come in where there was a restaurant because he was dirty and smelly. I said, we'll find a place, and I gave him the Bible, and, uh, the gospel, and he got saved, and he got fed, but if you want to help, you better get wet 100%. I took him home and he, where he took a shower, have a haircut, and uh got a change of clothes. And then his, uh, I taught him because he had been running away from, from his father who was beating him up with a belt buckle. He couldn't come home until the Lord answered uh, a prayer where the father working in a high construction building fell to his death, but he was able to come home. And uh, he's now working on his uh, GED so he could catch up. And now he brings his family. He was able to go home, and the mother is so happy. He brings all his siblings, younger siblings, to church where they are so happy to learn about Jesus for the first time. And let's see what other individual stories we have. This is Iris, and the kids are early Sunday morning. They are so happy to go to church, and he couldn't fathom why they would not sleep in. So he followed the girls for their Bible story on Sunday morning. And he also heard the gospel and he got saved. And Iris and Lynn, his wife, well, at that point was not his wife. He said, we need to be a good example to our children and live for Jesus, but we're not married. Our children are growing up and we need to be a good example. But just like some women, I cannot get married. You have not proposed to me with a ring. And Iris said, I don't have a ring. I'm, I'm so poor. Lisa said, okay, let's open the box. Let's see. You pick what you want over here. And she picked this one from Walmart with three diamondettes. And they got married. And, of course, as they said, they want to be a good example to their children. And um, with COVID now, even if I were in the Philippines, I would not be allowed to go out. Because people 60 years old and older have to be quarantined at home. You cannot, they enforce a fine. It's a lot more strict in the Philippines. And also 20 years and younger, although it's less strict with that age group, because they have to go to school or something, but not with my age group. So um, the country is still uh, close to, uh, to travelers. It's easing up a little bit, but not too much. So how do I keep the ministry going? Well, Pastor Noriel is an answer to prayer. He was my next-door neighbor growing up. But uh, he decided that later on in his life, he'd rather earn money the fast way. So he became a drug dealer. dealer and he would also have another sideline, which is to be in a crowd and snatch a purse from a knowing lady, and then pass it on to an accomplice, and so the the evidence is, is gone. So that's what he would do. He was an expert on that. Well, he got saved. And then later on, I baptized him, and I was part of his discipleship program, and now he has become a pastor and so while I am here, I know someone is taking good care of the ministry over there because Pastor Noriel is there. However, he's a recently a widowed, fairly widowed man. And he brought his family to live in my house because he lost his house. I said, okay, you want to show me how to do the work of the ministry? Well, you're going to see me 24 hours a day. You're going to be living with me. And so uh, Pastor Noriel is doing that. And the Lord has blessed. We have uh, neighborhood pods getting saved. And we also have families getting saved and get baptized together. And we have a group of friends getting baptized and saved together. Actually, I have a lot more pictures, but with the grace of God, until our seed group from Lisa's English class has become uh, uh, you know, a fairly large group, as you can see. We praise God for that, and thank you for all your support. There's a change now in our status. I used to be fully supported by the BMA, but because of Lisa's uh, condition, she has hydrocephalus, which is a brain disease. Uh, It's more common with children, but because their skull is still developing, it, it enlarges to compensate for the amount of water that... The, the brain produces. We all have fluid in our brain, but some people produce more. And Lisa, as an adult, has a lot of water that the production has not actually reduced. Her, her ventricles are a lot larger than that. Really, really large. It's scary large, and it's, it's just a miracle that she can actually walk and talk. Um, and so massive headaches is a result of that. And because of the condition, she has to have a shunt. The shunt that she has is magnetic, and she experienced uh, a steady decline in the Philippines because it cannot be remedied, it cannot be regulated, that shunt that she has. And over there where they give you a wand and you have to pass through metal detectors because of the Muslim extremism and, and terrorism, and so that setting could change because of the magnetic field. And so her neurologist said she needs to stay in Conway, where help is just a few minutes away from our house. And so because of that, now I have to be based in Conway and then have to alternately go to the Philippines, but more time in the U.S. so I can raise my support because now I have to be just like the other missionaries. I have to raise my own support. So please pray for us, as that is the change in our uh, way of doing ministry. So please pray for the gospel to be preached in these troubled times, not only in the Philippines but also here in the U.S. For good wisdom and and good health, to raise our support and mission work fund, and for the missions to grow into established churches, so they too can send missionaries. Now, in the next uh, portion, I'd like to share. Um, a message, and it's entitled, Got Meat? Lisa holds the clicker, and so she she would make sure that I try to not to ramble. (laughs) All right. Uh, Our text is taken from John chapter 21, the Gospel of John chapter 21. And um, Please let me read from here. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a-fishing, they say unto him. We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Let us pray, Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you. Thank you, Lord, for your answered prayers to all those prayer requests mentioned earlier. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God, meet you know, this reminds me in 1984 when Wendy's, the fast food restaurant, first aired its TV commercial featuring 81-year-old Clara Peller and two other prim and proper ladies. They were examining a big fluffy fluffy hamburger bun only to find a teeny-weeny hamburger patty inside. Clara Peller, Peller uttered the immortal words, Where's the beef? She became an instant cultural icon, appearing before talk shows, and she was so popular in her zinger, Where's the Beef, became Wendy's slogan for the next couple of years. Interestingly enough, that slogan or those words are honored here by the Lord Jesus, where he he asked the disciples' children Have you any meat? And unfortunately, they said no. They didn't catch any food. I'm not by any means a a Greek scholar, but he used the term, Jesus did, where the meat is a word that can be used for any protein, including fish, that can be roasted over the fire and be good for a meal. So he said, Children, have you any meat? This also gives us a glimpse that the disciples were... Younger men, like boys at the work site. Young men, boys, have you caught some fish? Just like in the Philippines, when they have a basket, a bamboo basket, waiting for the fishing boats to come in the morning after they fish all night, where they said, did you catch some fish? We're ready to buy them. And of course, the answer would usually be, yes, we got a boat full of fish. But here in this situation, the disciples said, no. You know, one of these times as we stand on the shores of time and meet the Lord Jesus face to face, he's going to ask us a very important question. But the question is not going to be, How many friends do you have on Facebook? How much money do you have in the bank? How many diplomas do you have on your wall? But the question will be, Children, where's the fish? Remember Jesus said, follow me, disciples. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Because later on, we're going to be accountable for his question. Have you caught me some fish? And some of us might say, I'm sorry, Lord, I have nothing for you. Got meat, got fish for Jesus. Well, let's deal with this situation. What is the problem? What seems to be the problem? Why did they they did not catch any fish? Well, do you think it was the fishing boat? I don't think so. The boat probably was used by the disciples' father fishing, and they inherited it, Obviously, Peter was a fisherman, and his father probably was the one who taught him how to fish. And that boat sailed from one shore to the next side of that lake, the Sea of Tiberias, also called the Sea of Galilee. So it's not the fishing boat. And the fishing boat here is representative of the New Testament church. I don't mean to imply that we are a perfect church right now because we are flawed people. But we have a perfect set of doctrines, the the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We also have the perfect foundation for the church, Jesus Christ, the rock of ages. So where are the converts, people might ask? Well, it's the fault of the church. Well, let's not blame the church because the problem lies somewhere else. So it's not the fishing boat. Do you think it might be the fishing net? The fishing net is symbolic of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as a teenager, my sister got saved through the ministry of the first missionary to the Philippines that you sent. And so one time, we were doing homework, and she said, do you know the Lord? Knowing that, you know, not long ago, during that time, I actually drowned, and they performed CPR on me. Um, and so she was concerned that I was going to hell. And she said, do you know the Lord? Are you going to heaven? And of course, when I was about to pass out under, in the sea, I knew that I was not going to heaven. So she showed me John 3.16. And that's all I needed to, to hear because it was the full gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Before I said, no, I don't want to listen to you. Now I was ready to listen to her because I knew what it meant to be dying and not knowing the Lord. And I was so scared. And then I passed out not having an answer. I'm glad they pulled me out of that water and I heard the gospel. There's nothing wrong with the gospel unless you're preaching a wrong gospel of socialism or some other kind. Because the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is the one that Paul said in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first. And also to the Greek. What, what's the problem? The fishing hole. The Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Tiberias. You know you see people posting pictures. Of even my friends in Hawaii. Who went to the Holy Land. And they went to the Sea of Galilee. You know, people would like to experience what it is to fish in the Sea of Galilee, and they would catch fish. It was full of fish back then during the time of Christ. It's still full of fish nowadays. When they said, oh, Hawaii is not a good fishing hole, they're not responding to the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, we we have planted two churches over there. And until now, they're serving the Lord. And they said, No, it's not a good fishing hole in the Philippines because it's so oversaturated with the gospel. We have not even gone up to the northern tip of the Philippines until recently. So the fishing hole is full of fish. It's right there where you work, it's right there where you live, even amongst your family. It's in your school, in your neighborhood. We don't blame the fishing hole because it's full of fish. What about the fishing time? The best time to fish with a fishing net is at night. Like in the Philippines, when you see lunch and uh, it's glowing, the horizon of the, the sea is glowing with torches at night because the fishermen don't have to compete with the sun. You light a torch and the fish gather around the, the light, And you cast your net, and you have a big haul of fish. Do you know that the Philippian jailer was saved at midnight? Saul of Tarsus was saved at noontime. Some of you might have been saved in the morning hours of Sunday school. I was saved in the evening doing homework at home. Anytime is a good time to fish. Don't say, well, I'm going to fish when it's... uh, Even during the time of COVID, it's a good time to fish. Don't say, some other time, because you're talking about lazy time. So what's the problem? We're trying to deduce it right now until we come to the fishermen. Let's identify the fishermen. Let's see what could have been the problem with them, okay? Let's identify them. Let's unmask their identity, Well, they usually come in different uh, sections. The middle part is Peter. The Bible identifies him. Who was Peter? Well, he's the one that said to the disciples, well, we haven't seen Jesus after he rose again from the dead. Uh, They hang people on the cross for preaching the gospel. I'm going back fishing. I'm going back to the world. Who's coming with me? And the other disciples said, we're coming. Peter was a backslider. He also denied the Lord several times. Three times, as a matter of fact. So, a backslider was on the boat. Now, that does explain why they did not catch any fish for Jesus that morning. Because Peter, the backslider, was in the boat. Who else was in the boat? Well, Thomas was in the boat. Who was Thomas? Thomas. Doubting Thomas, according to our Sunday school story, right? Thomas said, unless I see with my eyes and put my hand on his side where there pierced him, I will not believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. And so they said, Tom, guess who came to church today? Well, tell me. It's Jesus. And doubting Thomas was very doubtful. No wonder they could not catch any fish. Who else? was in the boat. Nathaniel was in the boat. I think he's also called Bar- Bartholomew. Well, one day, Philip came to, Bar- to Nathaniel and said, Hey, Nate. Nathaniel, uh, guess who we met today? Well, tell me. Well, it's the one the prophets have talked about, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Nathaniel said, can anything good come come out of Nazareth? See, the criticizer, the critic. The negative person was in the boat. The tongue of criticism had destroyed more families and friendships and churches and denominations more than anything else. He was on the boat. Who else were in the boat? The sons of Zebedee. James and John, the sons of (laughs) thunder. There might be quite a company to to keep. Uh, Before Jesus was crucified, he told the disciples what was about to happen, that he was going to be arrested and be killed. And the sons of Zebedee, James and John said, Well, Jesus, after all this happens... When you enter into your your kingdom, can you appoint us to sit beside your throne? One on the right and one on the left? It's like telling Grandpa, Grandpa, I think you're going to die. But if you die, can I have your car? See, they were glory seekers. They even asked their mother to ask that question before Jesus. No wonder they could not catch any fish because the backslider was in the boat. The critic was in the boat. The doubter was in the boat. The glory seeker was in the boat. But the Bible also says there were two other disciples. It's amazing that the Holy Spirit did not identify the two other disciples. Why? Is it possible that the two disciples were actually You and I, figuratively and spiritually speaking, perhaps we were on that boat. We're sitting on top of these great resources, plenty of fish, and we could not catch anything because we're quick to condemn and judge the other people on the boat where, in fact, we were there with them. I see the mask you know, is figuratively that we cannot do anything for Jesus or even come to the Father without Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life. Let me close this. An ancient proverb said, I don't know if you have encountered this in Taiwan, but an ancient proverb, according to my reading, that says, If you wish to be happy for an hour, get intoxicated. If you want to be happy for three days, then get married, enjoy your honeymoon. Three days. If you wish to be happy for a week, slaughter your pig and enjoy your bacon and ham for a week. But if you want to be happy forever, learn how to fish. But to make this eternally true is if you want to be happy forever, then follow Jesus and learn how to become fishers of man. Because someday Jesus is going to say, children, where's the fish? Where's the fish? We are on that boat, but we better be on the boat where Jesus is the captain. Do you know Jesus is your Lord and personal Savior? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message and thank you for the report. We pray that you bless the fellowship that is to follow. But if there's anyone here who does not know, the Lord Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, that they can answer the question, if you were to die today, do you know if you, for sure if you're going to heaven? Because we can know. The Bible tells us we can know. Lord, continue to anoint this time for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.